When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bob Flounders, it's the Blue White Breakdown from Penn Live. I'm Greg Pickle. We are outside of Beaver Stadium in a car again, chatting about Penn State's latest game, and it was a stunner, I think. There's no question about that, Bob. 35-19, the final. <laughs> um, I had to think about that again. Did you notice that when the Beaver Stadium scoreboard turned off, it first did an error message thing, and I think that it, too, was trying to wrap its brain around yeah. how exactly Penn State found itself in the spot that it is in now. Well, a couple things at the start of this uh, podcast and this breakdown. Number one, at least we're not driving this time while we're doing this podcast, so we're in a lot less danger. And to the people who are listening, we did definitely want to have Dave Jones on the podcast for the second straight week. But the policies at Beaver Stadium are obviously that they're very strict related to COVID, and we understand that. But it's literally impossible uh, with with Greg and I up here and Dave, <coughs> excuse me, working from home this week. It's really hard to do a Zoom just because we can't really uh, we're not allowed we're not allowed to do a lot when we're uh, <laughs> no. when we're at the stadium. So we apologize. We're going to have Dave on more this season, but we just couldn't make it work this week. But Maryland. I mean, you look at the final score, you look at the yardage, and you're like, well, what? You know what? It was never a 35-19 game. This game was over at halftime. There are so many things that are just not going well for this Penn State team. You're supposed to get better if you're well-coached as the season goes on. And they played a team. They were four-touchdown favorites, and they played like they were four-touchdown underdogs. Maryland easily uh, undressed this Penn State defense. They took their foot off the gas in the second half to shorten the game. You know, there there was a. I think Greg, you, I'll get your thoughts on it. There was a real debate as to whether James Franklin could have, should have pulled Sean Clifford. He started so poorly. Um, he got all those those stats look nice at the end of the game, Greg, but they don't tell the story of number 14's day or number 14's season. The kid plays hard. He plays hurt. Um, but we're not. It's just. It's just not there. And I. I don't know how much better it's going to get for Sean Clifford. And I just don't know uh, if you're. If you're James Franklin, how much longer you can. You can continue like this without at least giving somebody else a shot because the offense just is not doing anything in the first half of games. And if you fall behind by you know 21 points, you're just not going to win any. Yeah, no, there's a few problems here. The first one being that Clifford, because he's, and this is my opinion, but because he's run so much early in this season, I think his body is now at the point that it was toward the Ohio State yeah. game last year. He just looks beat up. He looks gun-shy in the pocket. He doesn't trust his offensive <clears throat> line, which, as you noted while we were walking out of the stadium, is probably the biggest yeah. disappointment of this season. It's clear he doesn't trust them. The running game can't do anything, so Kirk Sharaka just says, to hell with it. We're going to throw. We're going to throw. We're going to throw some more. Yeah. Teams have figured it out. It's no secret. They take Pat Fryermuth out of play. I think the receivers, Dotson, Washington, have looked better. I mean, I think that's one unit that has improved, but but yeah. it's not enough. So, yeah, I don't know what the long-term outlook here is for Penn State. I mean, Sean Clifford's a guy who will play hurt, as you said. He's a tough kid. 
when he's good, he can be good. But you're right. I mean, I wrote before the game in my prediction that Maryland would score some touchdowns late to make the game look closer than it was. <laughs> so I was uh, correct about that aspect. It was just the wrong team doing it. Yeah. Um, Maryland clearly was at a point where they knew they were safe. They knew they, they could take their foot off the pedal, and they did. And they let up some touchdowns late. Penn State's defense did show up. I think Maryland had like 70 yards of offense in the second half, but it was too late. And you add Clifford's fumble to that, and it was just not a good night for him and not a good night for this team. So if things start poorly at Nebraska, Bob, which based on everything we've seen so they far, <laughs> they will. I don't know. You're right. I don't know how much longer they can try this experiment with Sean Clifford or this, this outlook with Sean Clifford before you lose the team. Yeah, and Greg, you know what? Usually when, it, when Penn State loses like this, you know, uh, the post-game interviews are not very revealing. Everyone talks, you know, real big about accountable, correcting mistakes, moving forward. But, you know, I think we got to talk a little bit about what Jahan Dotson, who's been Penn State's best player on either side of the ball, and a, a guy not really known for maybe some revealing comments, pretty much said that this team is not on the same page. They're, they're going in different directions. Greg, it also, it also sounds like, you know, we had to wait a little bit longer to get James Franklin after the game. Uh, it sounds to me, uh, Greg, that I think James really kind of laid into the team and they, they really had some things, some points to try to be made. Greg, my question is, I'm just starting to wonder about, you know, uh, is everyone committed to this 2020 season? Are some players maybe, uh, did they have uh, higher opinions of themselves after really not proven anything? Um, the losses, they've lost some really good players, but... For Jahan Dotson to pretty much say that we're not on the same page, you don't usually hear that from a Penn State player about a Penn State program. I think it speaks to the leadership, and I, I, I think it speaks a little bit to uh, people thinking different things about not only the present but the future. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Bob. I mean, uh, Rich Garcelle, the Reading Eagle, and Joe Giuliano from the Inquirer both remembered the James Franklin quote where he said Jahan Dotson probably hasn't said 23 <laughs> words since he's been here. And his answer to that question alone was probably about 50. And yeah. it came up a few more times. And, you know, a lot of guys... Uh, especially quieter ones like Dotson would not really double and triple back down on what they said, and he did. Um, he basically said there's too many individuals right now. There's too many guys that are not all pulling, as James Franklin might say, pulling the rope in the same direction, and I think you can see it on the field. Yeah, I think you can see guys are not necessarily doing what they're supposed to be doing in the lead-up to game day, and it's having a huge impact on game day. So. You know, the question is, Bob, who are the leaders on this team? Right. You know, you could look at every Penn State team that's come before this one yeah, right. and feel really good about who the leaders on that team were. Who is it on this team? I, I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, Dodson, that's probably the, the most leader-like quality we've heard of anyone on this, in this program this season. But he's a quieter guy. So unless he completely changes the way he is overnight... I don't know if that's something, that, you know, he takes on a lead-by-example role, but they need a vocal guy, someone like a Jason Cabinda or a Trace McSorley or a Saquon Barkley, a Mike Kosicki. Yeah. You know, they've had these guys before. They just don't have them now, and I think that's as much of a problem as anything. And you combine that with because of injuries and because of uh, some recruiting misses and whatnot and then some recruiting hits, you're playing guys who are younger, maybe don't have that same experience, that same understanding of how this program wants to function. And I don't know if it was because of COVID and they weren't around each other for so long or what happened, but 
James Franklin prides himself on messaging and everyone being on the same page and everyone having the same message. These guys don't have it right now as a starting 22 or I think as a program in general. I don't know where it went wrong. I don't know if it was lost in the Zooms or what, but um, this <laughs> yeah. is – it's not good. They are not in the good place as a program. And while, you know, you can sit here and think, well, they're going to Nebraska next week and they'll be 0-3, but it's a good chance to get back in the win column. We thought that about this game, and guess what? It wasn't. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about – we've mentioned the offensive line. We've mentioned Sean Clifford. But I, one of the other things that really – really surprised me today, Greg, and I I just didn't see this coming. I really thought, you know, even though they gave up some plays last week to Justin Field, I really thought Penn State's pass defense, especially their corner play, was one of the stronger elements uh, of the team on the defense. You know, the corners, Tariq Castro-Fields and Joey Porter. Um, but, you know, they Maryland destroyed this passing, the secondary uh, in the game. A four, a three or four big plays early. Penn State took some bad angles. Guys were wide open. The the Maryland receiver, the big, the high, the high profile recruit that had the two long touchdown passes. They were the same play, Greg. They never adjusted. They took bad angles. It was all yards after catch. Um, I thought that was as troubling, maybe as the quarterback play, the offensive line play, the no running game, the fact that those plays were there, and you know. Less, you know, a year ago they beat this team fifty-nine to nothing, and Talia Tagovailoa. I hope I said that right. I know. If I, I'm sorry if I said that wrong, but I know he's a good player, and he sure showed it today. But you know, one player should not have made that much difference between last year's outcome and this year's outcome, and 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 that was absolutely the case. Um, it was a day of bad decisions. It was. It was. I didn't think it was a great effort day by Penn State in any phase. I struggled to kind of come up with guys who really stood out. You know, in the second half when they made that comeback and they got all those yards, it was essentially they were just throwing jump balls on the outside and hoping either oh, Jahan yep. Dotson or Fryermuth, you know, made plays. That is really what their offense is all about right now. They can't run the ball. They don't. They can't, they're not necessarily protecting Clifford. He's holding on to the ball too long, and it, it's it is devolved into a jump ball offense on the outside because they're so far behind. And you're, you're just not going to win. I mean, they got five games left, Greg. You could you could say, hey, maybe on talent alone, and if they get their heads out of their backsides, they could win f- four of those five games. You could, they could lose all of them. Yeah. Like, there's no guaranteed wins anymore after this team does that against Maryland. And I just, you know, it, it, it starts with James Franklin. It, it has to. He's getting paid a lot of money. To not only just recruit but hold this team together, and they look like they—it looks like they took the whole year off. It doesn't yeah. look like they've been prepared at all. And the spiral since the fourth quarter of the Indiana game—it's like they've never bounced back from it. They can't score in the first half. They can't stop the other team from scoring in the first half. And the second half is all about stat padding. This is, this is, you know, I, you know, you think about the the fifty-six to ten loss to. Or the forty-nine to ten, maybe it's fifty-six. That loss to Michigan in two thousand sixteen as being a, you know, a low point for the program. But to lose this badly to a team like Maryland, which had given up almost ninety points in two games and was allowing three hundred yards on the ground per game, to lose this badly, I don't know that I could say there's been a, a more disappointing effort from a James Franklin team, and he's been here seven years. Yeah, there's no question. That was by far the worst performance in every aspect of the Franklin era. And I don't know. It's You're right. It starts with him. And 
he just doesn't seem to, I don't know what it is, Bobby. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have that same fire, that same focus that he usually does. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. but No, you're not. You're not. I think it's, it starts at the top. When we talk about not everyone being on the same page, it starts at the top. And I don't know why it is, uh, but I do have two questions for you. Number one, go back to a point you just made. Does Brent Pry escape criticism too much? We're sitting yeah. here focusing on the offense, which was terrible. That pass defense has not been fixed for what four years now, three years now, whatever it is. Right, um, and it's just—it looks like a lot of the same things over and over and over again. It doesn't seem like anything changes. Tim Banks, Terry Smith, Brent Pry—they've all been here for a number of years now. It's the most uh, consistent yeah. part of Franklin's staff. And not saying that anyone should lose their job, but yeah. I don't know if we talk enough about how that just really hasn't been proved at all over the last few years. Yeah, the linebackers, you know, obviously you lose Micah Parsons, it's a big loss, but the linebackers, there's some talent there. There's no question there's some talent there. They they don't look like they know how to uh, – it, it's, it's as much mental as it is physical, right? They're not making any plays at all, and you can't tell me that James Franklin doesn't miss Sean Spencer – because this defensive line, you know, save for a couple of plays in three games and maybe one good quarter with the pass rush against Indiana in the fourth quarter, like where are the, where have those guys been? I mean, I don't know what's going on with Shaka Tony and Adisa Isaac. I don't Is Shaka Tony even at the stadium today? I don't, I'm not I, sure. I don't even know if I remember seeing Adisa Isaac in this game. I remember yeah. Jason Owe was on the field a lot. The defensive tackles aren't doing anything. The linebackers aren't making any plays. You got young players celebrating individual efforts in the second half on defense when they're down 35-7 or 35. I just don't know. These kids think they've arrived and they haven't done anything yet. Yeah. And it doesn't look like there's any leadership on the, from the coaching staff. I, I mean, one game was bad enough. Two games, okay, Ohio State's a really good team. They weren't going to win that game. But this effort, to me, is very telling. And I'm with you. I don't know what's going on with the coaching staff. I... This offense, Kirk Sharaka carved this team up last year uh, as the Minnesota offensive coordinator. And he basically, I think he basically got this job based upon yeah. that effort. And they, they were a good offense all year. None of that has carried over. Um, he ha Yes, he doesn't have K.J. Hamler. It hurt. They don't have their top two running backs, but he had a good offensive line. He's got an All-American candidate at tight end. He's got a receiver that's putting up all Big Ten numbers. But the quarterback has not gotten better. He's probably gotten worse, and they can't run the ball. I, I just, I, I don't know what's going on. It's, it seems like, it, it just seems like there's a, there's a disconnect, and it's running all the way through the program, and it's a short season, man. It's not a twelve game season. When it starts bad, there's not a lot of time to, to turn it around. This, this isn't going to be 2016. The question is. How big of a fall is Penn State going to? This was a team that was in the top ten before the Indiana game, right? And I don't know if they're going to win two games this year. I just, I can't. I just, it's, it's been shocking the fall from grace because you can't tell me there's not talented athletes on this team, but you wouldn't know it based on what you're seeing on the field. No doubt about it, Bob. All right, we're about 15 minutes through the blue white breakdown. It's a good time to remind you that. Three times a week, Bob, Dave, and Bob and I, or Dave and Bob, whoever, uh, will bring you an extended it's been a long podcast. Day. It has been a long day. An extended podcast, either from Beaver Stadium or from home, depending <laughs> on the day of the week. Dustin Hockensmith provides updates daily. Blue White Breakdown, wherever you get your audio, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, 
and any other place with podcasts. There's also a video most of the time, too, not outside of Beaver Stadium in my car, but <laughs> YouTube.com slash All Penn State. Bob, you've been around this program a very yeah. long time. You've Thanks seen, for reminding me. Sure. You've seen some terrible performances and some terrible teams. I want you to dive into the knowledge bank here, and this is where I wish we had Dave with us tonight. But yeah, tell me, put it in perspective, just how bad was this compared to some of the things you've seen before? Yeah. Uh. Who does it remind you of? What does it remind you of? Uh, you know, I, I hate to say this, but the, the, the two darkest seasons uh, it, during my time on the Penn State beat were clearly 2003 and 2004. 2003, the team went 3-9. and nine. We're lo- They were lucky to win three games. Uh, I believe the 2004 team ended up 4-7, and seven, but they were 2-7, and seven, and they needed to rally and ha- – uh, to to win a game at Indiana with a goal line stand, and then they beat Michigan State to get to four and seven, or they could have been two and nine, and they were a team that struggled badly on the offensive side. The 2004 team actually hasn't put some good players on defense, but they just couldn't do anything. Neither team had any playmakers on offense, and they just struggled to score points. You know, th- this team, I think there. I look at this team, and I know there's some guys on this team that are going to play in the NFL. And I know there's some guys on this team that potentially could be first-round picks. But it, it it's more than just having talent. It's got to be, you know, it's work ethic, it's attitude, it's, you know, it's focus, it's all that stuff. It's being coached and it's being put in the right position. It's game planning, it's adjustments in-game. There's a lot that goes on. Um, and Penn State, you know, Indiana is obviously for real. Ohio State's, you know, very likely going to be in the national college playoff. But Maryland, uh, this is this is why this is so troubling. And you just wonder what's going to happen after this game because they've dropped two games at home. They got to play three road games. Rutgers is improved. I, you can't say that's going to be. Well, they, they almost lost to Rutgers last yeah. year. Rutgers was terrible. Then, yeah, so. I, I just I, to put this in perspective. I mean, where this is heading is. You know, it. I would say not as bad as 03 and 04, but after that, I mean, you know, James had some teams in 2014 and 2015 that struggled to stay above 500, but that was because, you know, the sanctions and that was because the teams just weren't very deep. You know, he, he knew that he probably didn't have the offensive coordinator that he wanted. He knew that he didn't have a dual threat quarterback in Hackenberg, and they just were deficient in some areas. And they were able, still able to win some close games. That's just not happening now. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how this team is going to turn it around. And I I don't think it's any one thing that is that is that is the reason why this team is zero and three. But to lose this game the way that they did, um, you know, I don't think this Maryland team. To me, this Maryland team looks to be about five hundred. Maybe they'll go five and three. But this, boy, this is just really, really disturbing. I have to say, you know, I I just think that Penn State is probably, you know, right now, I don't know that they're beating Nebraska on the road. And then if they're 0-4, you know, and guys are thinking about the NFL draft or thinking about their futures or wondering what's going to happen next or they want to tr- – I just don't know. I don't know where this team goes. I don't, I don't see – I don't see how they're going to turn this around when you lose at home this badly – to Maryland, because don't look at the final score. Don't look at the yards. When it was when it was a game, Maryland made all the plays. They pushed Penn State around at scrimmage. They they made all the big plays. The quarterback was far superior. It just looked like 
it looked to me like Maryland was the team at the, be- the beginning of the year that was in the top 10 consideration, and Penn State was the team that last year lost 59 to nothing. And I hate to say it that way, but I think it's leadership, I think it's coaching, and I just think that there's some players that have some high opinions of themselves and they haven't really proved it yet. And there's five games left, three on the road. I just don't, I don't see the turning point coming. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. And I think the coaching staff's going to have to make some hard decisions. And I think some jobs, I think, have to be in jeopardy after an 0-3 start. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I also, uh, you know, a couple things. Number one, uh, I think you have to worry about opt-outs now. You know, we've seen teams that have started poorly. Yep. Some of their top NFL draft talent just says, you know what? What am I playing for here? I don't need this. I'm not suggesting anybody will do that, right. but I, you can't not think about it. And you got to accept it's a possibility. That's number one. Number two, to go back to a point before you that you made before the break, uh, I think Sean Spencer is more of a culture guy and a culture yeah. driver than we've realized. I mean, you knew he was a loud guy and an energetic guy and all that stuff, but... They're missing something without him. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, the NMB, And then going to this game particularly and moving forward, I'm going to go off the, the reservation here a little Good. bit. and I'll tie I, like it it. All I like back. it when you do that. I will tie it all back together. But Penn State lost off the field today. Two, of course. Garrett, uh, <laughs> yeah. Derek Davis Jr., the safety from Gateway, the four-star, picks LSU. Penn State in the driver's seat for a long time. The guy that Terry Smith was brought in to get in a way because he's from Gateway. Derek Davis Jr. is from Gateway. Penn State seemingly in the lead. LSU comes in and snags him in the end. Another loss for Penn State in the class of 2021. And when you look at it and you look at this game, you can really go back to a lot of recruiting losses over the last handful of years. Look at Justin Fields at Ohio State. Uh, you know, look at Tagovailoa. They get a transfer in here, and all of a sudden, this Maryland team has as much as not juice, if not more, than we've seen in a while because they got a good quarterback, and they have Raheem Jarrett, who Penn State uh, recruited. <laughs> And they lost out on him. They've lost out on a number of guys. And they have some playmakers, Bob, but they don't have enough of them. And then the guys that they do get, some of them take longer to come together. And I also would just point out that Justin Shorter caught at least one touchdown oh, no. uh, today in the Florida-Georgia <laughs> game. So um, I don't know if he just needed the fresh start or what. But I think at some point here you got to question development. I think that's been a problem. And we're seeing it now. Guys just aren't developing. I mean, they don't. They get here and they take a step, and then there's not another step that seemingly comes after that. And some guys get there, a majority of them don't. You talk about the defensive line. It was supposed to be a big breakout year for Jason Awe and Adisa Isaac. We haven't seen a whole lot from him. Like I said, I'm Mustafer. not even sure. Mustafer was supposed to Antonio Shelton. I still am not sure if Shaka Tony was actually at the game or not. I'm going to have to go check the participation report. But, oh. um, you know, well, he's a guy, Bob. I understand. You, in I a game like this yeah. and the type of player he is and the reason he came back to raise his NFL draft stock, he should be taking over a game like this. And it's just not the case. And I know teams are good at – Getting the ball out quickly because Penn State's pass defense says, yeah, we'll give you all that room. Go ahead. Um, and so the defensive line gets neutralized a little bit. But um, just obviously yeah. not a lot of good things to say as we get into the final couple of minutes here. But not a whole lot of good things to say. I will give the last word to you and we can get out of here. Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be a joint effort because I'm just going to – I'm going to I'm gonna put – not you on the spot, but I'm just going to ask you, uh, based on what you've seen uh, for three games and based on especially what you saw today – how realistic is it to expect for the fan base to see Will Levis at quarterback at some point 
during the Nebraska game. I think I think there's a very good chance that if Sean Cl- – I mean, they have 20 points, man, yeah. in three first halves. They have 20 points. It, I, I don't know that I give them more than a couple of drives, but if they start slow or he makes a mistake, yep. uh, I think Will Levis has to play. And even if he's not quite – a hundred percent, you know, he's going to be a little rusty, but you just gotta, you just can't, it just can't be, it can't be Groundhog Day in the first half. Right. Every first half of all eight games. What do you think the chances are that Will Levis gets some, gets some meaningful stats? Seventy percent at least. Though I do wonder if in the back of their mind is that whole fumble incident against Ohio <laughs> State. Maybe they feel like he's not ready for prime time. I don't know. How much worse could it be? I don't know. Clifford was 6 of 20, I think it was, in the first half. He finishes 27 of 57. And yeah. I hate to keep ragging on the kid because he is a good kid. Yes. But look, uh, you come to Penn State to be putting a team that was top 10 before the preseason in a position to either stay there or go further. He's just not doing it right now. And he's not getting a lot of help from the offensive line. I get that. But Will Levels will get into that game, I think, either because of uh, uh, Clifford's performance or he's going to take a hit at some. I mean, he's already banged up, yeah. bruised. He's running the ball entirely too much. I was under the impression that Kirk Schrock and James Franklin did not want to have him run as much. He's running not, he's running more than he did last year. Yes. Um, some of that's not designed. He just yeah. breaks down and does it. But, I right. mean, he keeps getting pounded. And you remember at Ohio State last year when he had to come yeah. out. And I just don't I, – I could see a situation like that because we're seeing a lot of similarities between then and now. Yeah, and the, real quick, if, if, they, if they don't feel good about – put Will Levis in the game after these first three games. Right. What does it say about his development? Well, that's just it. I mean, that's what I wrote in my story for uh, yeah. for Sunday morning is that the bigger problem here is not that James Franklin d- didn't bring Will Levis in today. The bigger problem here for the future is if he felt like he, didn't, he couldn't bring him in yeah. and that it would be whatever Clifford was today, Levis would be worse. If that's how they feel, they got a real problem on their hands yeah. because Taekwondo Roberson still a young guy who's developing – um, you know, there's no savior coming until Bo Perula comes in 2022. And by yeah. the time this season gets over, there's going to be a lot of yeah. teams out there saying, you sure you want to go play for that offense? Yeah. You sure you want to go play for that team? So they got to oh, get boy. back on track, Bob. We'll see if it happens.